Welcome everybody to the Independent Broker series of videos that we're doing. We have Lisa Paget today. Welcome, Lisa. Thank you. Glad to be here. Awesome. So why won't we start the show with tell us a little bit about your backgrounds, how you got into real estate, how long have you been in the business, and how did you get to become an independent broker? So I have been in the business for this is my ninth year of being a residential real estate agent. And I started out with a very small firm that only had about four agents. And in my first little bit, I had done quite a bit of business. And she said, I can't support you in what you're doing. So I think you need to go to a bigger place that has more tools for you. She was kind of phasing out her brokerage and doing other things. And from there, I jumped on board with a big name. And got a lot of training, got a lot of tools and things like that. During that tenure, I also became a business coach and was coaching other agents. And I still do that, but I was coaching them for that particular brand. And I got the ability to see inner workings and be a part of leadership and all those good things. And then COVID came and I had been one of those people who went to the office every day. And when COVID hit, obviously all the rest of us, I was at home and not seeing a lot of the value. And it's like when things are topsy-turvy, you know who's going to be there and who's going to get your back and who's going to be the one that you can depend on. And I felt like there was just some missing components during that time of a support level for us encountering something that was completely different, that was foreign to us, that we just had no experience with. So I started doing some research and I started looking at some franchises and I got pretty heavily into looking at one particular one. But when I ran the numbers, it was just not going to be financially feasible to be in my market and to do what they wanted you to do in order to make it break even. We'd have to have had 20 performing agents that were performing at a level where they were doing at least 15 deals a year. Now, we all know that it's going to take a lot of time to get to a point as a new brokerage that you can get 15 agents in and they're all performing at that level, right? So financially, it wasn't a good decision. And I put all that on hold, got back into full swing after COVID. And the company I was with had a lot of changes taking place. They had rolled out some software and different things and things just weren't necessarily as smooth as I would like to for it to not interrupt my business. So myself and my business partner, who was also an agent and runs a team, we just put our heads together and said, you know what, we can do this. It had gotten very complicated and very hard. And so as a business coach, I knew that I needed to put a plan in place and set some goals and do the research and get the ball rolling. And so we first just sat out and went, let's just go find ourselves our own office. We'll just find ourselves our own office. We'll just work out of that office and we won't necessarily leave the big brokerage. And they were like, wait, why would we do that? Because we'd be paying money out for a brokerage and paying money out for an office. So why would we not just get licensed ourselves? We can do this. If we have other boutique firms in our town that are very successful, we can do it and we can do it at whatever level that we choose to. So we went out on our own and we've almost been a year. So March 1st will be a year for us. And we have had zero regret. It's been a wonderful experience. And we came out of the gate and just said, it's gotten very complicated. And the brokerage we left is the largest in our area. We didn't feel like we were up against a giant. We just felt like we were over here doing our own thing and it was something different. 
So our whole motto was real estate simplified. And that's what we still stand by because it had gotten very complicated, too many systems. This one works, this one doesn't work. And all these systems you had to buy into. And we said, wait a minute, we need the basics and we need to get back to agents having support because that was the missing element. And so that's where we started and what we put as our groundwork for our company and being able to provide that for agents. Yeah, it sounds like they try to put technology to replace the support part, uh, the human part of the support. Absolutely. Absolutely. And some people are very tech savvy and like that hands-off approach. And every agent's going to have a different set of needs. But there is that group of agents that really want to still have that community environment and that family feel of, hey, I can call you in I'm out of town and you'll cover for me. Or, hey, I really want to have an in-person training where I can really learn and dig in with other people and we may have the same questions. So there, it's different learning platforms for everyone, but we just kind of saw a real need to not replace that personal touch with the technology. Yeah, it's all, almost like they forget who their audience is. Most agents out there are people. Mm -hmm. The happy, shiny, sunshine, walk around, be friendly, be the social butterfly. They're not the techie people. They're not the systems people. And they need the support in forms of processes and systems and organization, but it cannot replace the human touch that personality usually needs to function properly. Which part of the country are you from? I don't think you mentioned that. So we are in the Southeast. We are in the Chattanooga, Tennessee, North Georgia market. Oh, okay, cool. And how you're into it, how's your brokerage looking like that? How many agents do you have? Do you operate in model or are you operating as a, everybody's an individual agent? How do you guys operate? Right now we have 17 agents and we are, our goal this year is to end the year with 25. So we want slow and steady growth. We have, our model is we would like to have agents that are in that middle ground, not the brand new agents, not the ones that are doing the huge top 10 in the, in our MLS of 2,500 agents, but we want that middle ground. Those are the agents that we felt like always get forgotten because you're not getting all the accolades for being top. You're not brand new. So you're not getting all the training. You're just in the middle and you may be steady Eddie. You might need, you might be totally comfortable doing what you do and staying at that pace, or you may need just that little bit of nudge to take it a step further, but you're, you've got some agents in that group that this is where they choose to be. And a lot of times they end up being independent agents. We are open to teams. Teams are great. We have decided that we're not the best platform for that brand new agent. It mm -hmm. requires a whole lot of time and they need proper training. I'm a trainer by nature. I love to train. I don't necessarily have the time to devote to the handholding side of that. The I don't even know how to log into the MLS side. So that there are bigger firms that have that down to a science that can fill that gap when they've got a few transactions under their belt. That's really where we want to get them. We want you to have four or five transactions before you come and join us. Yeah. And that's similar to the conclusion I got to in our brokerage is the ideal candidate for us would be someone that had, let's say two to 10 transactions last year, and they want to double their business Absolutely. because because that's really where we can, as coaches, as mentors, as people with experience, can train and take that transformation 
and it's the least amount of effort for the biggest reward that we can give them. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. A new agent, there's a lot of push and a lot of energy needed to get started. The top agents, that honestly, being humble, they don't need me. They already mm-hmm. figured out the formula, they figured out the systems, they figured out everything else. What do they need me for? To hang their license with me? There's no value in that for them. In fact, I don't understand why a top agent that makes $30, $40 million GCIs plus is not an independent broker themselves. That's a whole different set of interviews we might get to someday. Absolutely. <laughs> it's kind of like, why are you still with X, Y, or Z? Why aren't you an independent broker? That said, you mentioned, I don't have the time. So a lot of the brokers, at least your very early stage brokerage, right? Are you still in production? Have you started stepping out of production? Do you plan to step out of production? What do you look at our production in your work? So my plan is I have been in production and I am phasing myself down. So I am only doing business with my previous client. And if they refer someone to me, I may take that referral, but I also may give that to a trusted agent in my office, which I think says, you know what, I believe in you and I trust you can do a good job with this and they can give me back a referral fee. So I'm still getting that flow of income coming in with real estate transactions, but I'm not bogged down in that. My passion is coaching and I can make myself more available to the agents within my firm and agents outside of my firm when I have time and my time is scheduled and I'm not running ragged with buyers. Mm -hmm. And I am, my goal is to, I have three states that I'm managing broker in. So I have a lot of training to keep up with and those types of things. So my goal is by the end of this year to be out of production and to be just focusing on our firm and coaching others full time because I think that it is good for a broker to still be in the marketplace and doing business because you're seeing what's happening, seeing it firsthand. If you're a non-compete broker, I think that you tend to possibly run the risk that you're not necessarily up on what's happening and because you're not out there seeing it yourself. You're not writing deals and so forth. So I will probably always have a little bit of that going with previous clients and just continue to keep that flowing so I can be abreast of everything that's happening right now in the market. Yeah, it's funny that you say that, but we tend to... As we step out of production, we tend to, I don't want to say forget, but not realize what changes out there are happening. I remember just 2021, I picked up a residential transaction, which I usually focus on commercial. And it was just a unique story for that buyer. So I I agreed to work with them. It wasn't a home buyer or anything, but it was residential. And I went with them to like an open house or actually... I scheduled the showing, not knowing the open house was there. And we showed up, there was an open house. And it was like the hype of everybody was overbidding everything. There were like 90 people in that open house. And I was like, I didn't know these things happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like, there's open houses with 100 people in there. And there's line outside the house. It was just absolutely crazy. So you're right. We still have to stay 
connected to the trenches if we want to coach and train about what's going on out there but absolutely but i i use that as an example yeah i was not aware i knew there was madness because my agents were coming and telling me we, we've been we just bid a hundred thousand dollar over asking and we lost so i knew there was the frenzy but i didn't know it was that bad yeah. so that was definitely an eye-opening experience what does your volume look like with 17 ages and it doesn't have to be dollars can be number of transactions roughly in 2022 so in so we had production we opened in march my agents that came over with us from our previous firm, they couldn't come till April 1st, just with our state. So our numbers from April until December, some of those closings were still taking place with the previous brokerage. But as a whole, we closed 82 transactions in that time period. And we were very pleased with the amount of closings we had for that amount of agents. And we, this year, we are seeing a slow start to the year, um, which is an indicator to me that they need more of that time with the one-on-one -on -one training, more ideas, more support. We are doing a lot of that to help them because it has been a very slow start to the year. And we're doing all of our number projections, looking and going, okay, we can pay our rent and pay our bills and all those things. And we can we have not taken profit yet because we feel like it's better to keep the money flowing in the business than for us to just take profit. Our profit really is that we are not paying another firm yeah. a cap. So you have to consider that and take that into consideration when you're looking at your outcomes and your numbers. And so we are excited about this year because we have attracted some agents that are pretty decent producers that we know are going to cap. And I think the the tricky part is when you have a cap in your firm and they pay in the dollar amount and then all we had a bunch of agents come at the same time. So they're likely to cap very closely together. And then the income from those agents, that percentage is going to go away. Yeah. And so we've had to really look at that. And that was the learning curve of looking at that and going, oh, how do we plan for the rest of the time when they aren't contributing to company dollar any longer and, uh, and those kinds of little things like that. So we're happy with the success of 2022 and we really started to tweak some things going into 2023. Yeah. One great resource that might help you guys when you look at these things comes from a great book called Profit First. I don't know if you heard about it by Mike Michalowicz. And aside from the concept of profit first and paying yourself and so on. He has a concept called a drip account. And this is something we teach our agents as well. It's not just for the brokers, it's for every agent because our business is so weird. You can have foreclosed in one month and then two months with nothing. And especially as we're transitioning to a different kind of market, historically, January was a slow month in every year pre-COVID. Just COVID just took everything off the table and completely destroyed every concept of seasonality we had but historically january is a slow month so the start the year starting slow it's not unusual that's where your training your coaching comes in here's what you do in a normal market right there's mm -hmm. the kind of activities you do in december so january wasn't wouldn't be so slow and so on so in that concept of a drip account is all your commissions go into that drip account except for your taxes and so on what you're going to call profit and then, or what you're going to use for operational expenses in our case as brokers, 
And then out of that drip account, you take one twelfth out of it into your operational account. This way it smooths out, making sure that whatever you have in there is going to divide it to the next 12 months. So yeah. if, if all your agents are capping in the first quarter, which is great, now you have enough in there that is going to be distributed across the next 12 months, getting ready for your next year, because that's the next time these agents are going to start contributing. Yeah, mm. absolutely. So that's just an idea that I've seen work for a lot of brokers and agents to smooth out the peaks and the lows on the income coming in. An agent is phenomenal for year one. Not a lot of agents do that on the first year becoming an independent broker. What kind of a recruiting activities have you done to get to that number? And what kind of activities you plan on doing this year to get to your 25 goal? So I think it all starts with reputation. And where did you sit in your marketplace amongst your fellow agents? And were you a cooperating agent or were you an agent that was a bulldog and just plowed over every deal without regard for the other agent. So I think you have to take that into consideration when opening your own brokerage. What are others in the community of realtors think of you? Are you liked? Are you well received? That was one of our first things that both of us had people that reached out to us and said, hey, I want to know more about what you're doing. And so then we made a pledge that every week, on our calendar, there would be at least one coffee or lunch with an agent from another company. And that gives us that opportunity to have that one-to-one where we can talk about how they're doing in their business and so forth and so on. We have been very purposeful with Facebook and social media. And whenever we have an agent join us, because we are a somewhat mid-sized community, it's pretty much Agents all know who the other agents are, unless you have a bunch of brand new ones. But when we post a big announcement about an agent joining us, we make sure all of our agents are sharing that post on their Facebook travels further. We get a lot from that. And I recently sent out an email right at the first of the year to our local agents and just basically did a short outline of what we have to offer and what real estate simplified means in our brokerage. And I had an agent I had done a deal with years ago, probably seven years ago, called me and said, I really want to talk to you about coming to your firm. And we still find that people that know us still don't have the knowledge that we did this and we went out on our own. And so it's drip campaigns and our MLS doesn't have a place for us to download all that information. So it's been a little bit of work to get all of that ready and get that going. But it's a drip campaign with useful information. We all get those emails in our inbox. So I don't want to look like another big brand name email that's just a push to join. I feel like I get better response when it's a helpful item. I have also held both Zoom and in-person trainings that I have invited people from other brokerages to attend. And they've taken us up on that opportunity and that invitation. And we are continuing to do that. We're also very direct about who we invite. We are inviting people that we have done previous deals with. Every time someone closes a deal in our office, that other agent gets a thank you card for doing a deal with us. Great time. And it comes from us as the owners. 
and we sign and send that out and we have an admin that does that for us. But I think that we are most effective when we are reaching out to the people that we have done deals with in the past and that we know and having that communication with them. We have started a real kind of program within our office that benefits our agents. And honestly, we have said to our agents, do you love what we're doing? What else do you need? Can we add something? And they are singing our praises when they have interaction with other agents. And we haven't done anything that's going to be hugely financial for them. But on the first agent that they have that they bring into the company that joins us, when that agent does their first deal, they get $250. It's not a huge thing, but it's something to reward them for helping grow the company. And we also ask them to make sure that they are posting a lot of pictures and putting things out there when we have events. And I think that it's creating an atmosphere so that the others go, Ooh, what do they have over there that I'm not getting where I'm at? And that creating that curiosity of, Ooh, what is that? Why is all this happening? We were surprised that some of the agents that reached out to us and expressed interest, we thought they were like golden with their company through dedicated. And it's the ones that you least expect that will surprise you and call you one day and say, I think I'm ready for a change. And that's been what we've done, but being very purposeful about setting time on our calendar to have in-person meetings with people. You mentioned events earlier, right? So you do stuff with the agent as a corporate event kind of thing. What mm-hmm. kind of activities? Give us a few examples. One of the first ones that I did is I organized a and invited a lot of agents locally to come. And we had a really nice turnout. We had 35 people show up and only about half of that was our agent. So we had a good turnout with people in our community. So what I did is I organized a panel of agents from other parts of the country to discuss the current market and what were they doing in their market to bring business in. So I was able to get some, I had three, four agents. They were all in different parts of the country. And we had a great like mastermind question and answer time. Everyone's feedback on it was that they really liked that. And we had it at one location. It was outside of our office because we needed a bigger space. And we had those agents on Zoom. And that was an event that we invited people from other companies to come into. And and we were really pleased with that turnout. And then I do a class every year in October that is planning for your coming year and sitting down and looking at your expenses and setting budgets and goals and things like that. And I've gotten known for teaching that class. And so I sent invitations out for that. And we had about seven different agents come from other companies to actually do that. And it was amazing to me because they've never done it before and their brokerage didn't do it with them. That was a, that's something we should all be doing, but sometimes it's just not something that's on their docket to do as a piece of training. We just had a, we've had to be, we've had to do strategic things with that because we've invited, we had a huge turnout at our open house and we had a big event and we had a bunch of agents that came and then we had about 250,000 lenders that showed up because that, (laughs) that's par for the course and we appreciate their their participation but we had a lot of people but we sent out hand addressed written invitations to agents and we tried to cover about 
250 people that we invited to our open house. We had a wonderful turnout. We were amazed at how many people came. And that was our first kind of, oh, look at what we are doing. Look at what we're offering kind of thing that, that we have done. And so we had to back it up a minute. We had to sit down and evaluate, do we invite outside agents to every class that we're doing? Or do we leave some mystery there that, oh, sorry, this is exclusive for our agents? And so we had a two-day agent retreat a few weeks ago for 2023, and we posted a lot about that and dangled the carrot a little. And that was not, that was a closed event. And that was a way to say, this is what we do for our agents. And we had our agents post about it. We brought in a yoga instructor. We brought in a panel of appraiser, home inspector, attorney, title company to ask questions that you don't usually get them captive for very Mm -hmm. long. And we tried to make sure that we were very good with it. And we had an agent, we got invited to a a pretty large training last week and we had 12 of our agents go. And one of them looked at my business partner afterwards and went, our training was way, way better. And so, so I think it has to be quality, right? And yeah. if you can give them something that they're not currently getting from their firm, that's enticing that they can come and they can be a part of something. And I think really we're attracting people because we are small and they're tired of getting lost in the shuffle yeah. with the 300, 300 plus agents in one brokerage. They're, they like that atmosphere of if I come over here, I am going to feel comfortable calling another agent to help me out when I need some help or my broker is going to be accessible to me. It's that smaller, cozier family feel is I think what appeals the most. Yeah, I think that my broker is accessible to me is something that I constantly hear from agent. It's I don't even know who my sponsoring broker is or I don't know how to find them or I have to set up an appointment two, three weeks ahead of time. And yeah, and realistically, if you have three, 400 agents in your company, you can't be accessible to everyone. So I see that as definitely as one of the drivers of people moving out into the smaller brokerages where they can get more attention is not the right word, but personal support is probably a better word. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk for a second about commission structures. What do you guys put in place? How does it look like? Do you have multiple plans? One plan? How does it work? Basically, we have the individual agent plan and the team plan. So our individual agent plan, we looked at what the competing brokers were offering. We knew what the one that we were at was offering. We did come out of the gate because there was a lot of complaining about monthly fees. So we came out of the gate with no monthly fees and your commission is paid to you at the table because our states will allow that. So when we close, they get paid and we're probably one of only two in our town that's doing that. Everyone else is waiting 24 hours to even longer sometimes to get paid with their commission. And so that is a huge big deal to people to get paid at closing. You've waited on this check sometimes 60 days, you know, you want to get paid. You want to wait another day. And that's been a big deal. We have a $15,000 cap and we came to that number based on what we found in our area was the average. We wanted to be a little bit less than the biggest competitor 
but we definitely did not. We knew that we had a budget to meet and we didn't, we're going to provide more than the company down the road that's doing 7,500. So we wanted to be, we wanted to be seen in that light. So we have a $15,000 cap for individual agents. And then it's half for a team that has a buyer's agent, for instance, is going to be half of that. And then we have a transaction fee. And that's where we as a brokerage have that, that income is coming from every deal, even after they cap, they can pass that along to their client. And it's a $250. We've had some changes in our MLS and we may have to reconsider having a little bit of a monthly fee because they're changing up a few things on us and we're going to have to pay for some things that we were not paying for in the past. And so we may have to look at that and decide if that's something we want to absorb or something that we really need to pass along. But we are providing them with dot loop as their e-signing device. Yeah, we'll um, get to the technology then, stack in a second. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> so that's our commission structure. It's really simple. They don't have any hidden fees, no royalties, none of that. It's just a straight cap. And then it's a 70-30 split until you reach your cap. Okay. Yeah, it's kind of interesting or amusing. Until I started doing those videos with brokers from different states, you don't realize how every state is different and how every market is different, even how every association is different. Because we're we were a member of a few associations in Texas and our local association in the Dallas area, every agent pays their own fees. And then we were part of another association and over there, the broker pays everybody's fees. Or in Texas, it's standard practice that the title company sends the money directly to the agent based on a CDA, a commission distribution agreement that mm-hmm. we send. And you say that it's not standard in your market that they actually have to wait for it. So it's kind of like very interesting to see how the different country, the different states and the different associations are operating these things. Let's talk marketing. And we're going to split that conversation in two parts. One is marketing for your brand. And the other one is marketing for generating leads for the agent. So let's start with the second one. Do you generate leads for the agents in any way, shape or form? And how do you manage that part? So I will tell you that I have been utilizing Think with my own business. And the purpose for that when I started it was to see if it it was a tool that would be useful to filter leads into the brokerage for the agent. Okay. Commissions Inc. Yes. And I'm just now starting to turn it over to where I can pass those leads along to agents. And I've got three agents that want to be a part of that. And if they close a lead from that then they'll get 20, they'll 25% comes back to the brokerage and that's a referral fee. And it's a costly program. It's quite expensive. And we pretty much polled our agents and said, do you want leads? Some of them already have themselves invested in lead buying already. So they don't want more than what they've already got. So it's kind of been one of those things where no one's been super excited about wanting to take on leads. You get into these contracts with these companies and they will not let you out. You have to pretty much die to get out. Not sure. Jury's still out on whether or not we will continue to use Commission Think 
and if that's going to be a good fit for us. I don't know that we will ever get to a point where we will provide a bunch of leads to the agents because they just have not been interested in that aspect. And I think it's because they are already performing and they already use their sphere and they already have a great, a great marketing piece in place for their own business that they're just not looking for leads. Yeah, we had a conversation with our agents, I think about a year and a half ago, about something very similar. It wasn't Commissions Inc., it was a different... And we asked them, do you want us to provide the leads? And if you do, there's going to be this and that. And honestly, there was no demand there. And it could have been the market, to be honest, that everybody were doing good because they had a good market. And now we might. it might be worth it to take a second look at these things and ask our agents again. My challenge as a broker is you and I know that a lead is only good as much as you're going to follow up and nurture it. And Absolutely. so if we're going to spend money on getting those leads and we hand them over, how do we verify that the lead actually gets handled the right way or the way we expect it to be handled? And that's yeah, I think where my biggest same, challenge is. And that's the same thing if you're a team lead and you have buyer's agent. It's that trust but verify system. And I think that that's the piece that's always the biggest struggle. So in inside of whatever system you use, there's probably a place to put notes and you can see when they've called and they can document all that stuff. But when it comes to our agents, like where's the line that you draw with accountability? Because they don't necessarily work for you. They're not like on your team. You can't really say, well, you didn't follow up with that lead. Okay, I'm going to take that away from you because that's just not really how it works. But if we go back on the front side and we give them good training and we give them good tools, i.e., how are you contacting your sphere? What are you doing out in the community? What conversations are you having on a daily basis? Are you going back to previous clients and having continuous conversations with them? Or are you in the mindset that I just need someone to feed me business? Because you're always going to have those different people that look at it differently. But I, I feel very strongly that if we train them appropriately and we have coach them appropriately, they should be generating business from their sphere. Now, there's two ways to look at it in the real estate market. And we all know this. There's mm-hmm. the people that spend enormous amounts of money on buying leads. And then there's some that spend no money on buying leads and are highly successful. And so it depends on how they're, it goes back to how are they handling those conversations that they're having? Because I can spend X amount of dollars every month providing you with some leads, but it goes back to what you said. How am I holding you accountable? I don't feel as an independent contractor that there's a whole lot I can do to hold you accountable to that lead. I've got to maybe have conversations with you, but I don't want to push and push that person right out the door. Hey, I gave you this lead and I'm paying for it. What are you doing with it? And so I think I've heard a lot of people talk about different methods that they're using in their brokerages and some of them they're not paying on the front side for. It's just they the company gets paid when the deal closes. So there's no love loss there. There's no expense out the door. And that may be an effective way, but I, I've never loved the business model of having your entire business based off of leads yes. because you can run yourself ragged chasing a dead lead. When if you have someone that already knows and trusts you, they're going to want to do business with you and you don't have to chase them. 
Yeah, I, and to extend on what you said, I, I don't want to, the fact that I'm generating or providing leads become another task for me. Absolutely. Start chasing and figuring out, did they follow up? Did they not follow up? Why they're not following up? It's just another task for me. And I don't necessarily want to be in the business of generating more work for myself. I have enough on my plate. As That's it. exactly right. Okay. If uh, I have to pay my admin, my office admin to be going in and looking and doing all of that's an expense because that may add to her plate and I may have to give her extra hours because of that. It is a bit of a time consuming type deal to add that on. And if you set the expectation early on that it's your business to run and I want to help you run that business, but don't depend on me to give you business, then I think if you set that groundwork, there's not an expectation of, hey, are you going to give me leave? So yeah, just a different platform. Yeah. And one of the reasons it's a, it's a question that we ask everybody is because it has become, at least in the last few years, one of the biggest drivers for recruiting. We'll give you leads. We'll give you leads. You'll go to any of the big ones, Keller Williams, CXP, Remax, and so on. They will all tell you, oh, we'll get you internet leads. We'll get you internet leads. And you and I know that those leads are only as good as how hard you're going to work them. And sometimes not even that, but that's why we're asked because a lot of people yeah, use absolutely. that as a recruiting tool. Now let's back go back to the second question about marketing. Do you do any spend or any marketing campaigns for the brand? So for example, on our end, we will do sometimes Facebook ads that will boost certain posts and stuff like that only for the purpose or Google ads, just so people can see the logos and say, yeah, when my agents hand over a card with our logo on it, Oh, I know your brand. I know that company. I've seen the sign or I am, I've seen your, you on Facebook, TikTok or whatever. Do you guys do any of that marketing activities? We do. And a lot of it's social media based. And in our town, we have the billboard wars going on where everybody and his brother has a billboard right now. And so we don't have a billboard. We haven't gotten in on that game. One of the things that we saw early on that was a real added feature in the marketing realm for our agents is we have events that they can invite their sphere to that we are hosting the event for the family. So we had a huge trunk or treat and it actually, we like, it was our first time doing the trunk or treat. We did it at our office in the parking lot and we're fortunate that we did it on a Saturday and the other businesses in our office park are not there. And we're off of a main road. So we had good visibility. And so we did it as an event on Facebook, did not boost it, just put it as an event on Facebook. And we were doing the whole thing where I really hope 20 people show up. We had over 250 people that came. Oh wow! It was insanity. And so we were like, we didn't prepare very well for this. And so we know going into next year, that's going to be a huge event every year. And so we encouraged all of our agents, invite your sphere to come. We had way more just general people from the public come. And where we failed is we did, you got to fail forward. We did not have a lead capture set up and we made a huge mistake by not doing that. So we figured out what to do coming into the next year because we had the snow cone truck come was like a huge hit. And so to get your snow cone tickets this coming year, you're going to have to give information. And then we're going to be able to capture that information. And we had a huge turnout for that. 
and we were super grateful. And we had breakfast with Santa at our office and a lot of people came to that. And that was another big brand recognition. When we made our brand, we wanted it to be very recognizable. And so the guy, the graphic creator that helped us with it, when we were going through color, we said, we want something memorable. We want it to stand out. We wanted blue, but there's all these companies that have blue. So we did blue and pink and it's oh. blue and Pepto-Bismol pink. And it is very noticeable. <laughs> it stands out. And when I say, and people say, what company do you live? And I said, the source, oh, I've seen your sign. Yeah. So it did what we expected it to do. And that was be memorable so that when you see that big pink and blue sign, you take a second look and you're like, oh, what is that? What does that say? And yep. so I think being strategic with your brand from the get-go can help you. But we have found Facebook to be incredibly good at helping us get that brand recognition out there. And we have lots of plans for doing a little bit more of that moving forward that don't include billboards. <laughs> <laughs> The billboard wars are out of control and I will be looking into doing some radio things and just really getting out there and doing things that are ingrained in the community. We are starting a volunteer project where we're going to be volunteering as a group at the local food bank. And so I'll be plugging into some media sources to try and get a little bit of plug the fact that we're going to go and do that as a group. So I think community service is a big portion of how you get some recognized in your community. If you're constantly showing up at places that are significant, that's going to get you a lot of brand awareness. Yeah. I, and I love the fact that you guys do those events and the volunteering. Quick tip, t-shirts and hats with the company logo. Yeah. So, so if you take everybody, if you take more than two people into a place, everybody better have the same shirts and hats, right? Absolutely. And then we did a, a, an event. We've been doing that for a few years now on Thanksgiving. The week before Thanksgiving, we'll just get a bunch of people and we'll get money. Most of it comes from us, but we'll have other business partners come in and chip in sometimes. And we'll buy turkeys and basically meal ingredients and we'll put together meals and we'll go out and we'll deliver it. Absolutely. And every single year it ends up being bigger than what we planned it to be. And because more people show up wanting to help, more people showing up wanting to donate money and help with the organization and delivering. That's something we've been doing for the few last few years and it's been very successful. And, and everybody that is want to be part of it is start, starts exploding that on social media as well. So that's great Absolutely. brand recognition everywhere as well. We're running out of time. So the next thing that everybody always asks about is technology, right? What is your technology stack? Do you guys have a CRM system, a transaction coordination system, anything that you guys use that is technology? Our other brokers would love to know what is working, what is not working, what you tried and you didn't sure, like. Sure, We had this huge uproar in our community when one of the bigger brands went from Dotloop to DocuSign and no one else was using DocuSign. So it was like a huge big deal and everyone was just sweating it going, we like Dotloop, we want Dotloop, we want Dotloop. So we stuck with Dotloop and we provide that to the agent. 
And then our MLS provides us with the showing service that we don't pay extra for. So they get that technology as a member of our MLS. Now, when you speak of technology, one of the things that we saw was going to be a really big sell to other agencies. We have a lot of small MLSs in our area. And so by joining, we have five MLSs we're a member of, which is quite a bit for a small firm. But we went ahead and made that investment and joined all those MLSs because it gives our agents a broader reach. And we have agents that live in one MLS area and, they, and then over here, far distance away. So providing them with the tool of having the MLSs that they need. And is, if you don't have your broker join, then you can't join as an agent. So having access to the tools that they need for the MLS was huge. So we did bite the bullet and join all of those. Our physical office, we have computer stations where they can just stop and work and be able to just on the go, print something out, go, use mm -hmm. a computer. Those types of things I think are important. We did not, because we don't charge an office fee, we chose not to provide them with a CRM from us. And with the way that we have sold that to agents is, listen, if I provide you with a CRM and you hate it, you're going to go out and buy another one. So we chose not to provide you with that CRM so you can choose what works for you. Now, I can tell you what several of us use for our own personal business that we really like. And we find the tools very useful. And here's how much it costs. And so here you go. You can have access to this. We use, a lot of us use Market Leader. We're not big enough to get a group discount, so it is what it is price-wise. So we've tried to negotiate a better price, but we're just not big enough to get that. But technology-wise, that's what we're using. We tried Broker Sumo for the back-end management, and we felt it had a lot of pitfalls and it wasn't very user-friendly. And so we got away from that, and I would love to invent software that was easy for just doing your commission splits and your disbursements and all that, because all the ones that we test drove, they were very cumbersome and they did a whole lot of things we didn't even need. And so we have QuickBooks as far as backend management that we utilize. And then we have spreadsheets that we had a spreadsheet guru make for us that track all of our commission and so forth and so on. And so it's not fancy, but we know that it works. And we were having such a struggle with software not working properly and being cumbersome yeah. that I don't understand why they don't just make it straightforward. Here's what you need, need to do and here's what it does. And I'd love if our, all of our agents had an app where they could just open it up and they could put the CD in there and send it over to us so we could do the disbursement and they could always know where they sit on their cap. It seems simple, but no one's created the really simple software to just do what we needed to do stripped down. So we've resorted to just in spreadsheets, but our agents that came to us and are still coming to us, they don't want to be bogged down with super complicated technology. They just don't. And what they want to know is that what I need to get my job done is I need MLS and I need dot loop. And those two things are at their fingertips. We do not pay in our area. We do not pay their membership fees for the MLSs. They're responsible for those independently, but our dot loop subscription we provide. And of course we provide them with a, an email address for at our company if they would like to have that, but a lot of them have chosen to keep an address that they know they never have to lose if they ever switch companies, which is 
smart anyway. That's the bulk of it right there. When it's stripped down, we give you what you need, but we don't give you a bunch of junk that you're never going to use. And charge you for it. And charge you for it and tell you, look at all these things that we're giving you. And then you never even use it. Yeah. We use HubSpot, which the CRM side of things is free. Right. You can always upgrade for the marketing stuff that and, and that components that they have in there. But the CRM, base CRM is free. We tell our agents, the best CRM system is the one you're going to use. That's um, right. I don't care if you use a, an old school Rolodex in paper and writing. I don't care if you use an Excel file. I don't care if you use anything out there as long as you use a CRM system. Because honestly, in our business, if you have more than four clients, you have to have a CRM system. You will yes, get you lost. Do. And then if you have time, you can check out, we use a Realty Back Office as a our transaction coordination system. Okay. And it's very affordable. One of the more affordable solutions out there. And we're happy with it. Good. Um, good. And then I augment that with a virtual assistant that helps the agents with the logistics. So the responsibility of the data accuracy is on the agent. If they want to use our virtual assistant to help get the data entry done, then she'll help. Like they can email her the contract and she'll set up the transaction and set up all the things, but they have to check off all the checklist boxes and they have to be the one requesting the CDAs and the responsibilities on them but they have mm -hmm. a virtual assistant that helped them with logistics. And that's an approach we used with a lot of things. Our virtual assistant helped with a lot of things that are admin. If I can get yeah. my agents focused more on selling, then I'll try to help. Absolutely. Um, because again, we want them doing income producing activities, right? They want to be doing income producing activities. A year into it, right? What is A the, year into it. What is the best part about being independent? You set the guidelines, you set the parameters, you set the track that you want to be on. And it's been very freeing to have that ability and to have freedom to say, you know what, this is what we stand for. This is what we want to do with this company. And that I think in and of itself has been wonderful. And my business partner and I, we both agree that we were not in a situation that was a negative situation. We are thankful for a lot of the training we got over the years, but this is just a completely different way of looking at things. We can make our own decisions. We can do things a certain way and we can set the tone and the culture of our office. We have been so impressed with, we have one of our agents that actually was going through cancer treatments when he joined us. And we knew they were falling on some hard times. And I just sent a group text out and said, hey, would you all like to do something for him for Christmas? And people were just, yeah, what's your Venmo? And we were able to bless that family with $1,000 to help them get through Christmas with their children. And he was so grateful that his peers came together and did that. And it was a lot more personable because he could look every one of them in the face and say, thank you. Yeah. Um, you can't do that at a very large firm. Is there more money in a large firm? I don't know. The expense goes up. You have to determine for yourself where you want to grow and what you want to go to. But we are super 
super excited about what we've done so far and looking forward to adding those additional agents coming into 2023 and ending our year strong. And it's been a wonderful journey to be on. And it's actually been able to just take a deep breath and just, we don't feel like, I think one of the things that we've noticed has calmed, been very calming is we were in an environment before that was very push, push, push. And everybody's name was on the wall and where their production was. And sometimes that's healthy and sometimes that's unhealthy. And it depends on how you process that. And I think some of us had really gotten to the point where I don't want to feel like I'm constantly pushing and I'm constantly trying to be better than the three, three people above me. And it's not that I want to be complacent and comfortable in my business, but what I want to do is I want to do what I feel motivated to do and not just be motivated to see my name in life. And and that, we don't do that here. We celebrate their successes, but this person over here that closed their first deal that was $120,000 is just as important of a success as the person over here that closed the million dollar deal. And we get to do that. And people don't get left behind. And that is very exciting to me that we can all celebrate together. That's awesome. What's the hardest part about going independent? Probably some of the camaraderie. A lot of our agents just don't come into the office. So the office is very quiet. And so there's sometimes our admin is at the front and I asked her just a little while ago, do you want to play some music or something? It's totally quiet. Because she's, no, I'm enjoying it. And so I think not having a lot of that interaction physically with them because they're out doing their thing and they don't come into the office. Sometimes we miss that, but we always take time twice a month, once on Zoom and once in person to make sure we're gathered together and we're going over what's happening and seeing each other and supporting each other. That's great. Best advice for somebody thinking about going from an agent to an independent broker? Don't do this halfway. Do your research. Know your numbers. Do it because you want to grow your business in the direction you want to grow it in. Don't get angry with your brokerage and just go, I'm going to go over here and do it myself. Take your time to make a very thought out planned decision. Know what your state requires. Know what you need to invest in that business, what your break even is. We're business people to begin with running our own real estate business. But once you become responsible for other people, you have to make sure you can keep that wheel turning. So you have to do that front end research to be sure that you're doing all the right things. And do things like joining your Facebook group. Listen to what others have done that have done well or have failed at and said, nope, let's try this. That didn't work. Let's do something different. Learn from other people so you don't have to make those same mistakes. <laughs> and, and I'm a firm believer that we're all better if we have a coach, whatever kind of coach that is. Whether you give a life coach or a business coach, everybody needs a coach. Mm-hmm. person you can bounce things off of and that can help you strategize. And that's an important, I think that's very important. My business partner and I, we both have a coach. We have different coaches. And we we had long conversations with our coaches to work through it for several months before we said, let's pull the, let's pull the trigger. Cool. That, that's been wonderful. Thank you so much for being on the show and giving us all that time and all that knowledge. And if 
other brokers that are watching this or agents in your area that are watching this and want to reach out and talk and maybe join your firm or just collaborate on something, how can they reach out to you? How can they find you? Absolutely. They can reach out to me in many different ways, but probably the easiest is shoot me an email. And my email address is Lisa Sells, S-E-L-L-S. We're in the South, but we're going to say Sells, Chattanooga at Gmail. And if you want to connect with me on Facebook, I would love to connect with you on Facebook. And usually my profile posts are public. And I am Lisa Paget Calfee, Calf, C-A-L-F-E, on Facebook. So either one of those ways, shoot me an email, connect with me on Facebook. I would love to share ideas with you and be a resource. Awesome. Yeah, we'll definitely put the links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Lisa. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. And for you, the viewer or the listener, if you want to see more great interviews with independent brokers, just subscribe and enjoy.